When I think about revival, I think about 13 years ago. It's 13, 14 years ago. I was having chest pain. I um, was nauseated. I was having shooting pains down the left side of my body. And I got so nauseous and my chest was hurting so much, I thought I was having a heart attack. And so I went to the heart hospital. And as I went to the heart hospital and they hooked me up to the EKG machine and checked all my vitals and said, Mr. Cooper, you're not having a heart attack. You are under a lot of stress. You're having an anxiety, a panic attack. We're going to give you a little medicine. So I'm laying there in the heart hospital bed and they give me medicine and I literally black out. And when I come back to, there's nurses around me, doctor around me, and they said, we almost lost you. The medicine we gave you, you're allergic to, and we counteracted it by giving you another shot. Come on, at that time, I'm thinking, let me have my stress. Y'all get me up out of here. Y'all go, you're about to get me, I'll take stress. <laughs> but the medication they gave me revived me. Well, what exactly is revival? The word revive refers to someone who was losing their life or lost their life, and they were revived. They were resuscitated. They, they, they were brought back to life, to the level of life they had before. So a revival in the spiritual context is to bring back to life again. It's a spiritual renewal, re 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 renewal, and we, we all need to experience revival. And when we hear words like that, kind of, we can call them church kind of words, revival, we can have wrong definitions. People think revival is something, something is just something that happened in, in past history, but it's not for today. That's not true. Some, when they hear the word revival, they think about a weird church service where people are jumping over the pews and dumping anointing oil on people's heads, and that's called revival. No, no, that's not revival. Revival is to live again. The revival is to be on fire for God again. Revival is to have passion for God again. It is a move of God, and I want to say to you this first Sunday of the year, we all need a revival. We need to live again, and revival starts with me. Revival starts with you. Revival is personal. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 119, one, verse 156, Lord, how great is your mercy. Let me, let me be revived by following your regulations. Revival is personal. Let me, it begins with me. It begins with you. Psalm chapter 119, verse 25 says, I lie in the dust. Revive me by your word. And some of you are lying in the dust today. 2020 put you in the dust and you felt like in 2020 the life got sucked right out of you and you need a revival. You need peace revived. You need joy revived. You need strength revived. You need purity revived. You need passion revived. You need love revived. You need integrity revived. You need faith revived today. 2020 tried to deliver some of you a knockout blow. And in 2020, some of you found yourself angry with God, confused with God. You, you doubted God. Some of you cursed God. Some of you walked away from God.
And what you need at the beginning of this new year is you need a revival. You need to live again. You need the dead areas of your life to come back to life again. You need your relationships revived. You need your marriage revived. You need your dating revived. You need your career revived. You need your parenting revived. You need your life revived. There's some dead areas and some lives today that need God's fresh breath over your life so that you can live again. And what I love about personal revival is that if you and I will set our hearts on allowing God to revive us again, to give us fire and passion again, personal revival leads to corporate revival. Personal revival leads to church-wide revival, and the church of Jesus Christ needs a revival. Not just revive me, but revive us. Psalm chapter 85 verse 6 says, won't you revive us again? So your people can rejoice in you. The church needs a revival. Psalm chapter 80 and verse 18. Then we will never abandon you again. Revive us so we can all so we can call on your name once more. And I love the church. I'm not a church basher. I I love the church of Jesus Christ. I love different expressions of how the church functions and operates. And I just, I'm a church man. I believe in the local church. God's doing his work through the church. And yet some churches have gotten off track. Some churches have lost their focus. Some churches are spending all of their time and energy and focus fighting over politics, fighting over masks or no masks, fighting over COVID-19, and they've lost their focus. They, they've lost their mission. They, they've lost what Jesus has called the church of Jesus Christ to do. And what we need is a revival that God would give the church of Jesus Christ back a passion to reach lost and hurting humanity, that God would revive the church and give the church a passion to disciple people who need to grow in their faith. God will give the church a passion again to see signs and wonders and miracles so that the name of Jesus would be made famous, that God would revive the church again, that people would make it all about Jesus. It's never been about me. It's never been about you. This is about Jesus. God, revive us that our focus would be on Jesus. Our focus would be on Jesus right in the chat line today Jesus 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 he must increase we must decrease we need a revival corporately but it begins personally it begins with us what I want to do for the next few moments is I want to give you four revival stoppers I want to give you four things that will kill a revival in your life that will keep the dead areas dead in your life. Four revival stoppers, four things that will kill a move of God. And the first is this, and we're going to look at the seven churches found in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 3. So if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to get your Bible out and open it up to Revelation chapter 2 or get your Bible app. You can follow along with me. And God gives very specific things that are hindering these churches from experiencing revival, 
from experiencing a move of God. And the first is, is this, a fading faith. Let's look at these churches. Revelation to a fading faith. This first church is a church at Ephesus. It's the first church that, that Jesus talks about in Revelation 2 and verse 3. It says, you have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. The church at Ephesus had fallen out of love with Jesus. Their, their love for God had faded and a faded love will stop revival. You, you know, last year because of just uh, the pandemic and uh, shut down and all. I didn't travel. I usually travel quite a bit, investing in pastors, speaking at conferences. And, and last year, I, I hardly didn't travel at all. And, and in December, I got on my first plane after months of not traveling, and I, I went to Indianapolis to our grand opening of our new building there. And as I, as I got in the airport, I, I, re, I was reminded of those moving walkways. I love the moving walkways. <laughs> You know, you get on the moving walkway, you don't have to do anything. You can just stand still, and it will just move you right along. And I love that. But can I tell you with God, if you stand still, you move in the wrong direction. You see, with God, it's always, you're always on a moving walkway. Either you're moving forward with God or you're moving backwards with God. And listen, if you're not doing things intentionally to grow in your faith, you say, I'm good, Pastor. I'm just standing still with God. No, no, no. You're always moving. And if you're standing still, you're moving backwards with God. Your, your, your love for God is fading. Think about this. At the beginning of 2021, are you more in love with Jesus than you were last year? Or do you have a fading faith? It's a revival stopper. I want you to see a second revival stopper, and that is a compromising faith. A compromising faith. You see this at the church at Pergamum. It says in Revelation 2, verse 13, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me. You had faith, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city, where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. And, and then it talks about the church at Thyatira, that, that both of these churches, that they had a compromising faith. And let's look at this church, Revelation 2, verse 19. It says, I know your deeds, your love and faith. They had faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet by teaching, by, by her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. And both of these churches had a faith in God. They, they did not renounce their faith in God. They had a compromising faith. It, now notice this, it's not they, they, that they did not have faith in God. They actually had faith in God. The problem was they were redefining their faith to fit what they wanted. You see, a compromising faith happens when you take God's truth and you twist it to fit what you want. You know, my, my dad lives, still lives 
And we walk a Seminole kind of area, Bowlegs, if you know kind of where that is in Oklahoma. And my dad still lives in a little small, small town. And so we'll meet him a couple times a year. And if I let my dad choose where to meet us in a city, if you're not in Oklahoma, it's a city called Shawnee. It's a little decent sized city there in Oklahoma. And, and we'll meet in Shawnee. And I let my dad pick the restaurant sometimes. And he says he always chooses Golden Corral. Huh? Dad, Dad, I'll get you a steak, shrimp, whatever you want. Now, let's go to Golden Corral. All right, Dad, let's go to Golden Corral. And, and you know, I go to Golden Corral, and, and, you know, you watch some people at Golden Corral. I don't understand them. You watch them, and they got, they got this buffet all set up, and some people will just get mashed potatoes and chicken. But, man, we're at a buffet. You don't just get mashed potatoes and chicken. Come on, you get chicken and, and, and steak and shrimp and come on who knows what i'm talking about mashed potatoes and okra and green beans and the casserole and the and the, and the bread and the croissant four different desserts and the ice cream you know what i'm saying <laughs> and then you go back whatever you didn't get the first time you get it the second time it's a buffet love buffet it's got to pick and choose what you want and, and 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 that's how some people treat god and his word if they treat god like a buffet i like that I don't like this. I want the mashed potatoes and chicken. I don't want anything else you have to offer. And whenever you pick and choose with God, you will have a compromising faith. And that's exactly what these two churches were doing. They were compromising God's word. That they were holding to the teaching of Balaam, the Nicolaitans, the, and Jezebel. And, and, and church, God's word has to be our final authority. Not our opinions, not what's popular in culture. God's word has to be our final authority. If what you believe or what culture teaches goes against God's word, you have to adjust your beliefs. You have to adjust your thinking. You have to adjust your actions to align with God's word. And here's the temptation for all of us. The temptation will always be to adjust God's word to fit our experience, to adjust God's word to fit our thinking, to adjust God's word to fit our culture but whenever we adjust God's word to fit us instead of us adjusting to fit God's word we'll always have a compromising faith that will be a revival stopper these churches were not only compromising God's word they were compromising sexually both of these churches just just were compromising in the extra in the area of sex that they were redefining what God's word says about sex to fit what they wanted. And God's word says sex is between one man and one woman in a holy matrimony. But these two churches were having sex outside of marriage and they were justifying it. It was like, it's okay. We, we kind of just changed God's word to fit kind of what, what we want. And compromising sexually is a revival stopper. Not only were they compromising God's word and compromising sexually, but they were compromising in relationships. And matter of fact, the church in Thyatira, their downfall was their devotion to this false prophet, this teaching from, from Jezebel. And they were following this teaching. They were following people that, that were teaching uh, the teachings of Jezebel. And let me say this to us, church. You got to be careful who you hang out with. 
Their downfall was who they were hanging out with, their, their relationship, who, who they were allowing to influence them. And just think about this. Are the people in your life, are your friendships, are they dragging you away from Jesus? Are they pushing you to be more like Jesus? Are your friendships saying, you better get to prayer and fasting. You better seek God. You better love your spouse. You better love people. You better live holy. You better honor God. Are, are you hanging around people that are pulling you away from God, compromising in relationships? is a revival stopper. That's why small groups is so important. I can't wait for small groups to launch in February, the beginning of February, that first Sunday. Why? Because having the right relationships is key to experience, re- experiencing revival in our life. So you got a, a compromising faith. And I want you to see a third one, and that is a faking faith. This is the church at Sardis. Notice this in Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 1 says this, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. This church had a reputation of being spiritually alive, but scripture says they were actually dead. They, they had what, what, what I call a, a faking faith. That they were fooling everybody around them. They were fooling the community. The community looked at them and said, man, look at their love for God. Look at their church attendance. Look, look at them. They're watching online. I, I see them put out a, a, a social media quote about Jesus. They, they had a reputation of being alive. But they were actually dead. They looked alive on the outside. But they were dying on the inside. And I think as we begin this new year, we have to ask ourselves, do I have a faking faith? Are there areas in my life, oh, God, help the pastor, help the preacher. Oh, God, help me evaluate my life. Do I have areas of my life where I have your reputation maybe of loving God or serving God or being passionate about God? Or maybe you know, I lift my hands and so people think I really love God or I sing the songs or serve in the ministry and people think that I'm alive for God, but yet I'm dying spiritually on the inside. A, a faking faith is a revival stopper. I want us to see a fourth one. I think this is a a really, really big one, especially for those of you that have been a Christian for a long time. It's easy for all of us to find ourselves in this last category, and that is a lukewarm faith. And I want you to see this from the church of Laodicea. It says in Revelation 3 and verse 15, it says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You see, a lukewarm faith is a content faith. People who are lukewarm are content with where they are with Jesus. And it's so easy. It's so easy for me. It's so easy for you to subtly drift in to lukewarmness. And it's easy just to feel comfortable being lukewarm because you're not cold, but you're not hot. Others would say, You're not in some horrible sin that they would define as horrible, but you're also not passionate 
for Jesus. You say, well, Pastor, you know, I love God, but you're not on fire for God. And then you can just find yourself, I'm good. I'm on cruise control. Me and God are good. I mean, I prayed and fasted last year. I'm not doing it this year. I'm good. I prayed and fasted two years ago. I'm okay. I'm fine. I, I was faithful to church, you know. You know, back in back in 1997, I was faithful. God knows. God knows. Can I, have you ever been there before? You're like, you know, God. I read through the whole Bible in 1985, and we're like, we feel good about it, and we justify. And church, can I tell you, you and I, we can't live off last year's prayer and fasting. We can't live off last year's prayer life. We, we, we can't live off last year's church attendance. We, we can't live off last year's Bible reading. We have to have a fresh move of God. We have to have the Holy Spirit touch our hearts today. We need to be hungry for God today. We got to say, God, give me a hunger and thirst for righteousness that I will be filled. But it's so easy. Some of you find yourself there like, I'm preaching right now. You're thinking, man, that's, I'm, I'm good though, Pastor. I don't, I'm, real, I'm good. And God... Would you send a revival that we would live again, have passion again, be on fire again, wake us up from lukewarmness at the beginning of this year because 2021 will be our best year ever if it's our best year spiritually. Let me shift gears really quickly and give you two revival starters. We talked about revival stoppers let me give you some revival starters and the first is this they're right here in in the revelation two and three in these seven churches you see revival starters and and the first is a repenting faith a repenting faith come on online would you just write the word repent it's not a very popular word but can i tell you it's a beautiful word one of the one of the most vital instructions that jesus gave five out of the seven churches was to Repent. So what I want us to see is that repentance is key to revival, is key to living again, is key to a move of God. And you see it at the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 verse 5. Jesus says, consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. The church at Thyatira, Revelation 2, verse 22. So I will cast her on her bed of suffering. I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. The church at Sardis, Revelation 3 and verse 3. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. The church at Pergamum, Revelation 2 and verse 16, repent, therefore. The church at Laodicea, Revelation 3 verse 12, verse 19, it says, those whom I I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Repentance is so key to revival, personally and corporately. Pastor, what is repentance? Well, the Greek word repentance, it just literally means to change our mind. We've been thinking one way, and now we begin to think the opposite way. And repentance is a change in the way that we think that leads in a change to the way that we live. So when we have true repentance, it, it changes the way we think, that changes the way that we feel, that changes our values, changes our attitude. 
and changes our, our actions. It changes the way that we live. It's such a positive thing. I've heard it put this way. True repentance is about transformation, not torture or torment. You see, too many people, they think about repentance from this negative perspective. And, and so many people have this negative view on repentance. And as your pastor, what I want to help do in the next few moments is shape up repentance. It's such a beautiful thing. It's such a positive thing. Repentance is just getting on the right track. It's like being lost, driving your car, and you're lost, and your GPS is not working, and you cannot get it to give you the directions to where you're trying to go. And if you're a man, you just keep driving lost. But if you're a woman, you stop and you ask for directions. I'm just picking on this man. And, and you, you ask for directions. Why? So you can get on the right track. So here's where I'm trying to go. And the person goes, oh, you know what? Here's where you go. Hang a left and then go straight. Then hang a right. And, and so why? So that you can end up at the right destination. And all repentance is, is getting on God's track. Is getting on the right track so that you can end up in God's destination for your life. God's destination for your marriage, for your dating. God's destination for your career, for your parenting. God's destination for your future is simply getting on the right track. Getting on the right path so that you can end up at God's destination for your life it's such a positive it's not a negative true repentance is not an event it's a never ending privilege let me say this to you God is so good he gives us the chance to get on the right track over and over and over and over again it's just, it's not, it's not a one-time event. It's just, it's over and over getting on the right track with God. It's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. It's such an amazing blessing. Here's why. Let me just give you a few scriptures just to paint how beautiful repentance is. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19 says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that Times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Times of refreshing come from repentance. Do you need to be refreshed? Did you need your passion refreshed? Your joy refreshed? Your love refreshed? Do you need your commitment refreshed or your integrity refreshed or your hunger for God to be refreshed today? Repentance brings a refreshing to the dead areas of your life. So the Bible says repent so your sins will be wiped out and that times of refreshing, of renewal, of revival, of resurrection can happen in your life. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 27 says, Zion will be restored by justice. Those who repent will be revived by righteousness. And God wants to revive our righteousness. Listen, no one can begin a new life unless they repent of their old one. And so when we repent of our old one, old ways and old thinking and old habits, we begin to enter into this new life that God has for us. We begin to experience God's best as we get on God's path. The Bible says in Isaiah 57 and verse 15, at the end of that verse, it says, I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. Do you need your courage revived? Do you need your strength revived? It happens through repentance. 
And then one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and notice this, turn from their wicked ways, repentance. Then, God says, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Repentance is such a positive thing. I got to ask you a question, church. I'm a practical preacher. I preach for next steps. I preach that you could apply it, not just hear it on your Sundays, but apply it to your Mondays. Here's my question. What's standing between your soul and your Savior? What's standing between your soul and your Savior? Some of you would say, oh, pastor, it's big. It's huge. Oh, man, what I'm doing, how I'm living. Oh, my goodness. On this first Sunday of the year as I'm in church, as I'm watching online, man, I just sense this conviction. That's because God loves you so much. And you're going, oh, it's huge. And, and then, then there's others of you that are going, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. It's small. Move on, preacher, to the next point. I'm good. It's a, it's a little itty-bitty deal. But church, the appetizer always leads to the main course little things if not dealt with always become big deals and so what we have to do in those little areas of our life those little appetizers oh pastor it's not the main course it's just a little appetizer oh but God calls me to repent at the appetizer level calls me to repent at the small level that I can experience the times of refreshing that I can be on the right pathway that you have for my life what are three areas that you need to repent what are three things what you think about that what are three things I believe the Holy Spirit is just shining some areas in your life right now that you need to repent that you can experience revival in your life Here's a second. Here's a here's a second revival starter. We said a repentant faith. And number two is a spirit dependent faith, a spirit dependent faith. So, so the second vital instruction for all seven churches, don't, don't miss this. If you're sleeping with your eyes open, wake up. Because I'm telling you, this is so key, right? When I'm getting ready to give you, it was revelation to me. As I was studying in, in November and December, I mean, this just jumped out at me fresh and I just never really, it just never connected with me like it connected as I was studying and preparing for today. Revelation chapter 2, and it just says over and over and over, every single church, he says, listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Every church have a spirit-dependent faith. Let me show this to you. It's powerful. Revelation 2 verse 7. The church at Ephesus, whoever hear, he has ears, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Revelation 2 verse 11, the next church, whoever, whoever has ears, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Revelation 2 verse 17, next church, whoever has ears, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Revelation 2 verse 29, whoever has ears, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Revelation 3 verse 6, whoever has ears, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Revelation 3 verse 13, whoever has ears, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Revelation 3 verse 22, whoever has ears, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. God says to every single church, you can't have a move of God. You can't have revival. You can't go forward. You can't accomplish your mission 
unless the Holy Spirit is active and involved. You must listen to the Spirit, be led of the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, be Spirit-dependent people's church. We cannot have a personal revival or a corporate revival. We cannot experience a move of the Holy Spirit with our flesh. We can't, listen, we're not smart enough, we're not connected enough, we're not talented enough, we're not educated enough to have a move of God on our own. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes people that want to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. It takes people that want to live by the Holy Spirit. Oh God, may people's church be a spirit-dependent church, not a flesh-dependent church. How do we be a dependent on the Holy Spirit church? Let me just give you a few really important things. Listen, we got to have revival. It begins personally. It takes the Holy Spirit. Church, we must be filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, on fire, passionate Christians, passionate leaders, passionate business owners, passionate workers, passionate parents, passionate single people, passionate married people. They are people who are constantly and continually filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We all get the Holy Spirit when we're born again, when we give our life to Jesus, when we're regenerated. But can I tell you, it's up to you to continually to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God, continue to fill me. Lord, I need more of you. I'm hungry for you. I can't do this without you. I need your Holy Spirit. The only way that I can be revived is with the power of the Holy Spirit. God, fill me again lord do it again we must not only be filled continually with the holy spirit but church we must live by the spirit live by the spirit galatians chapter 5 and verse 25 says since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit and people who live by the spirit are people who live by the word of God. That's important. Let me say that again. People who live by the spirit are people who live by the word of God. So that's why it's so important that you read God's word. That's why it's so important that you're listening, reading God's word every day. You're in church or watching online, hearing the word of God, because people who live by the spirit live by the word of God. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something that contradicts the word of God. God's word and God's spirit are always in alignment. And in today's culture, church, I just want to tell you as your pastor, I'm grieved. I just want to tell my church family, be careful. Be careful. There are people out here that are popular and, 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 and known and, 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 and write stuff and say stuff. It don't even agree with the Bible. People retweeting and requoting, and I'm like, it don't, that's, not, that's not even what the Bible says. God's word and God's spirit are always in alignment. And people of the spirit are not only people of the word, but they're people of spiritual growth. People of spiritual growth. Galatians 5 and verse 22 and verse 23, just a few verses earlier, it lists out the fruit of the spirit. And one of the things I have to do in my own life constantly is ask myself, am I growing in the fruit of the spirit? 
Am I getting closer to God with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness towards people and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? People that live by the Spirit, they live by the Word, and they're constantly growing in the fruit of the Spirit. There's a third thing that I want us to see, a third thing, and that is this. We must be led by the Holy Spirit. So fill with the Holy Spirit, live by the Spirit, and led by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And let me say this to us. The one thing I want to just highlight is when you and I are led by the Spirit of God, we are passionate about making a difference in the lives of others. When we're led by our flesh, it's all about us. When we're led by the Spirit, it's about helping others, making a difference in the lives of others, sharing our faith faith with others. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 says that God filled us with the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness. God didn't give us the Holy Spirit just for us. He gave it that we would be a witness. And God, would you fill us with the Holy Spirit? Lord, help us be led of the Spirit, not to live a life of our flesh all about us. Oh, God, we need a revival. We need a move of God. Lord, less of me and more of you. Fill me with your Spirit. I can't have personal revival. We can't see corporate revival. We can't see our cities, our nation, our world change in our flesh. We need the Holy Spirit. God, pour out your Spirit. God, give me hunger for more of the Holy Spirit. God, make me desperate for you. God, kick me out of lukewarmness and set my heart on fire again. Oh, God, I pray today. Let revival begin in me. Lord, let revival begin in my heart. Oh, God, I've been serving you since I'm 17, but I want more. I need more. I've read through the Bible six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. Oh, but I need more of your word. I need more of your spirit. God send revival, I pray, in Jesus' name. His eyes are closed and heads are bowed. There are some of you that don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I can't think of any better way than this first Sunday of the year than to begin it by giving your life to Jesus. It could be some big things that stand between your soul and your Savior. It could be some small things, but you know you don't know Jesus. You know today you're not right with God and you need to rededicate your life back to the Lord. As I count to three, in every single location, online, at home, would you shoot your hand up high as I count to three and say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus if that's you, or I want to rededicate my life back to the Lord. Even right there at church online, you can begin to click the raise your hand button. If that's you, as I count to three, just shoot your hand up high and I'm going to lead you in a prayer to be made right with God. One two, three. Just raise your hand high and say, Pastor, include me in this prayer. Thank you so much. I see your hand. I see your hand. See your hand there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Others, see your hand. Others today. Come on, Midwest City. That's it. Northwest. That's it. Indianapolis. Just lift your hand high. Mabel Bassett Correctional Facility. Come on, ladies. Just lift your hand high. Right there in your living room. Just lift your hand high. I want to lead you in this prayer. Pray this with me right now. Heavenly Father, I turn from my sin. I repent. And I turn my life over to Jesus. I confess Jesus today as my Lord and as my Savior. And from this day forward, Jesus, I'm going to serve you with all of my heart. Thank you for forgiving me and making me right with God. In Jesus' name.
I turn the service over to the campuses right now to close out the services. Hey, don't sign off. Don't leave yet. I'm getting ready to wrap up the service. Let me just say this. If you prayed that prayer, would you do two things for me? Number one, I want to send you absolutely a a book, a a next step book, absolutely free. If you would just text me, text to 94000, text PCS, PCS to 94000. Fill out that little short information and let me send that book to you in the next week or two to help you grow in your faith. And second of all, church, would you get to Growth Track? Growth Track starts next Sunday. Give me four weeks of your life. Four weeks. And just watch what God does. 2021 will be your best year ever if it's your best year spiritually. If you'll follow the steps, if you'll go to Growth Track, if you'll get on the Dream Team, if you'll serve, if you'll get in a small group, if, you, if, you, if you'll pursue the things that are laid out, I'm telling you, if you'll be a part of prayer and fasting, prayer services. I'm, it'll be your best year ever if it's your best year spiritually. Would you get to growth track starting next Sunday? You can go to the 10.30 growth track or the 12 o'clock growth track class in, in person or online and then worship at the other service, the alternative time. So you can still worship and go to growth track. And just watch what Jesus does as you give him your best in 2021. Would you stand with me all around this building? Come on, let's just do this. Just give me, just give me 30 seconds or so. Ashley, would you sing that right now? Come on, church, let's ask for revival. Come on, let's ask for revival right now. We want to see revival. Come on, would you ask for a revival right now?